Welcome to We Are His Servants Bible Study, a Bible study that breaks down each book chapter by chapter to give you a little bit more insight and application in your daily life. No matter how long you've walked with Jesus, there is something for you. Please hit the follow button and check us out on all major platforms. Now to the show. Oh, we recording it? Yep. Already on. Man, that's confusing me because I never know when to start talking. But all right, so I guess uh, by way of introduction, I'll start with a, a quick recap of um, some of the previous studies, so we can all be on the same shoot, sheet of music, if you will. Uh, so currently, we're in Genesis, obviously, uh, in Genesis eighteen, and mostly talking about Abraham and his life to include his wife Sarah, um, their soon-to-be son, his illegitimate son, kind of, and his other wife Hagar, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, so the, really, the story of Abraham's a lot of highs and lows. Um, um, he was introduced in chapter 11. By chapter 12, he already left. You know, was traveling through Canaan, screwed up, went to Egypt because of a famine, did some stupid stuff with his wife, slash call her your sister, Sarah, Sarai. Lots of highs and lows. Um, <laughs> 16 was definitely a pretty low for him, as we discussed last week, when he starts trying to take God's plan into his own hands with Hagar, his servant. Um, and it didn't really work out. I mean, it kind of worked, but it didn't work out. Uh, 17 was all the circumcision talk that we had, and now we're in chapter 18. Uh, so uh, the events of cha- Genesis 18 takes place not long, really, after God's visit to Abraham in the previous chapter. Uh, so if you look at the, the timelines, there was probably about 13 years between um, chapter 16 to 17, and then from chapter 17 to 18, depending on what you look at. So um, Jewish tradition says there's only been three days between that the last visit we had and this visit. But we can definitely come up with the fact that it's less than three months um, because of he promised they're going to have a child and they don't have a child yet and she's still not pregnant. So therefore, three plus nine, that's 12. So it has to be around three months or less, right? Um, So this is another visit from God, but it's quite a bit different than the previous ones we've seen. So to take you to the the scene, right? So here we have Abram sitting in his tent and it's like uh, the afternoon sun. He's at the, the opening to his tent. Uh, if you ever been in the hot sun, I'm from Texas. I've been to the Middle East. I like I know what heat is in the midday, and you trying to search for somewhere with shade and a breeze, which is what you can imagine that Abram's currently doing. Um, as he's sitting there, he looks up and there's these three men. Um, tradition for them was in that region when there was a visitor or someone passing through was to actually be like a very gracious host for them. So that's what Abram's going to you know do here. And so he gets up and he runs. You see this in verse 2. He actually uses the word run, which is pretty significant. So people of high order, people that are very important, prominent people, wore long uh, robes, in a sense. They go down to like your ankles, and they're fairly tight-fitting. So they actually don't consider it running. Like You couldn't run. You have to lift your robe up above your knees normally to run. And exposing that much of your flesh back then was actually considered like pretty bad. Like it was, it was kind of an embarrassment to yourself, kind of brought shame upon yourself. So the fact that he ran is very significant. Um, but it's a way of showing like deep respect and hospitality to the people who are showing up, even though he doesn't really know who it is yet. Um, it doesn't really show that he knows who they are just yet. So he takes off to get this meal prepared for them and to get them like get them some water to wash their feet and then to prepare a meal. He goes back to his wife, Sarah, and says, hey, um, get things in order to give them a meal. Um, and it's more than just a small like, you know, he, he minimizes it in this chapter saying, hey, you know, stay with me for a while so you can have some bread and some water. But it's more than just that. It is bread. It is water. Um, but it's a significant amount of food. They actually slaughter a calf and they, they get, you know, milk and all sorts of other stuff. So it's a big thing that he's doing for these, in this case, at this point would still be considered strangers because they didn't really understand or maybe recognize yet who it is. Um, 
So they have this meal together, and you'll actually see if you read it that Abram doesn't really even, Abraham doesn't really even sit down with them. He's kind of serving them, which is showing another again like a, uh, a like this great sense of hospitality uh, in the man Abraham. Um, and somewhere in here, which is not pinpointed in the chapter, Abraham realizes who this is. Okay, so it's sometime after the meal's over. Um, that Abraham realized that this is actually the Lord himself. So the Lord's revealed to Abraham, and he realized this is God in the flesh. You know, maybe Jesus, um, if you look, think about the Trinity, um, it would have to be Jesus in the flesh, right? Um, and they start to have a conversation. Um, and the conversation, again, is is God promising Abraham what he's already promised him, you know, in previous chapters, that he's going to give him a son. And... Um, he, he asked me at one point, like, yo, where's, where's your, your wife at Sarah? And she's just inside the tent. At least it's the way I imagine she's in the tent. She's like doing dishes or something. You know, she's made this meal. That's what I imagine. I know it's terrible. And they're cleaning up dishes, getting things back in order. Cause you know, that's what she's doing, I guess, in my mind. Cause I'm like, I'm a child. Um, so she's seeing this thing, you know, that's what I'm seeing. And he said, where's, where's your wife, Sarah? And Abraham answers the Lord and says, well, she's inside the tent. Um, and he again reveals to Abraham knowing that Sarah can hear you know, the same thing that he previously, you know, said in the previous chapter, in chapter 17, that um, that you were a year from today, a year from now, you know, that you're going to have a son. Um, this happened in 1717. That's when Abraham laughed, right? And we saw that. And um, just as, as Nate said last week, he, he doesn't believe, nor, nor do I. And I, I don't think um, most people believe this was like a scoffing, like disbelief laugh is like a, a slap in the face of God, like, yeah, right, kind of laugh. It's more of a maybe like a joyful, smiling, laugh thing, but probably not really the case for Sarah here in, in, in this, it'd be in verse nine. Um, cause she laughs and, um, thinks to herself basically like, how is that possible? You know, and it, it goes on to explain in there that, you know, she thinks that she is because of the age, the way it's phrased here. Um, it suggests that she's, you know, beyond the capabilities, the physical capabilities of having conceiving a child. And then she descri- describes her husband as even being old. Her Lord is being old. And that she's beyond the pleasures of having like a newborn, you know, in her life. Um, and God being, you know, omniscient and omnipotent as he is, he hears this, even though she's thinking it, she didn't laugh out loud. She didn't say these things out loud, but God, you know, he knows, he knows all right. And he, he doesn't turn to her and say anything. He actually turns to Abraham and says, you know, why does Sarah laugh about this? And then I think he, the next phrase, which is the beginning of uh, verse 14, I think is probably one of the... Uh, most powerful phrases in this chapter, maybe in the whole book uh, of Genesis. Um, Maybe you'd even argue it's one of the the most powerful phrases in the entire Bible. He says, is is anything too hard for the Lord? Um, And then again, he repeats his promise that, that him and Sarah will have a son at the appointed time, which is in, you know, around a year's time. Um, And then of course, Sarah denies it. He, you know, revokes her again. And that's, that's the first half of the chapter. So the first half of the chapter is really God's promise to Abraham and Sarah. Um, The second half of the chapter I call Abraham's plead. Um, So from here, that instance happens. And then Abraham leaves with his guest, which is, you know, God in the flesh and two um, angels is how it's described here in the Bible. So they go for a walk and through a long circumstance of uh, a little back and forth uh, conversations, uh, God decides to tell Abraham about his plans to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, and this is where the end of this chapter really gets into some pretty interesting back and forth dialogue between Abraham and the Lord himself uh, from from verse 16 on to the rest of the chapter. Um, God tells him his plans to destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. 
of course, this is where Lot is, who which is Abraham's nephew. And so Abraham begins to plead with Jesus, with God, to not, you know, if, to not destroy, the, you know, he, as I've seen, we found the verse here, I can read it out for us. So in verse um, 23, um, he says, will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So Abraham says to Jesus, to God here, are you really going to destroy everyone in the city, even the righteous? Like, why would you kill the righteous? Like, that's not fair, right? Um, and then he begins to basically try and, and convince Jesus, like, you know, you see it as you start reading through, like, per adventure, there are 50 righteous within the city. Would you save the city? Jesus, you know, God here is like, okay, fine, if there's 50. And he keeps going down these numbers and down these numbers, down these, it's almost like an auction. It's going once, going twice sold, right? It gets, he gets God to, to agree to if there are at least 10 righteous in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, within the cities of Sodom um, itself specifically in this case, that he would not destroy the city. Um, which is really cool to think that God's actually, you know, going to take into account these things and listen to Abram's plead here. Um, you know, in, in the, in the form of a man, listening to the man, Abraham will listen to these things. And that's where the chapter ends is with that last plead happening. And then it says the Lord went his way. And then Abram went back to, uh, to return to his place. So that is chapter 17. Um, the story of God's promise again to Abram, to Sarah, and then Abraham's plea to save, to rescue um, Sodom from ultimate destruction. I think that's it, man. Nailed it. All right. Well, it's weird not having like somebody talking back and forth. Talking back and forth. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Someone reach in and say something. It's quiet. Say something. Say help. Say something. No, I think you're good, man. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to get into some application and get into uh, the next chapter on Wednesday. Yep. It's going to be awesomely sick, dude. Appreciate it, yeah. Oh. So, yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. It is John, Matt, and Nick. You know, our thing and our big takeaway from everything that we're doing right now is to help you find Christ. Without him, we would be nothing, and this podcast would be nothing. In Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's all you need to do. You need to profess your love for Jesus Christ, open your heart, and let him into your life. Uh, Find a friend, tell them, pray about it, do whatever you got to do. But there's a reason that you are listening to this podcast. If you're already saved, go save a friend.